Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Yeah, 
definitely, you know, with all that life has to offer, you definitely want God to dictate that mood because it will definitely, definitely, you know, change the way you look at things, your perception, and with all of that shifted on a regular basis, your mood also shifts with a regular basis. So, you know, let God dictate that. Let God dictate, okay? All right. Well, let's talk about a Tuesday church folk day. Woo! We talked about uh, the Good News Club being in the schools and the after-school Satan Club being at the school, too, and how all of those spirits on the same ground can definitely affect not just our children's lives, but our lives as well. All right? (laughs) Wow, Wednesday rolls around, and our girlfriend Vivian was definitely uh, up for the challenge, and she gave us her stories, and we talked about... Oh, how, you know, the eight-year-old attacked, uh, forced a child, and slit his throat. Yep, cut his throat. Oh, my goodness. Uh, that was the wild story of the morning. And you got to go back to hear how the ladies talked about how they would deal with the Good News Club and this after-school Satan Club being on the same premises. I don't think the school system would be ready for the women of worship. <laughs> okay, Therapeutic Thursday rolled around, and the one of the biggest conversations of the morning was, you know, Dad, who was paying the daughter's bills because she was away in college, you know, paying that car note and wanted to give her a hand, and then he found out that she was a stripper. Woo! Dad said, listen, go get a regular job. You know, I'll take care of the bill for you, you know, maybe an extra bill or two. And uh, she said, no. Mm, this stripper life is easy money. But Dad said, okay, well, you have it the easy way. I'm no longer paying the card note. But we talked about whether Dad really should have continued to pay the card note. Would you... Would you continue to pay the card note? That was the topic of the morning. That was the biggest topic of the morning. Well, talk about the ending of a week. Woo! That thing and its issues, a person's rights, the way we're handling it in the court was, oh my goodness, the, the topic of the morning. Yeah. If you don't know what Stelton is, they're calling Stelton when two people agree to have sex and then one pulls off the condom, which is the guy, without the woman knowing. Yeah. And uh, we had a real difference of opinion on Friday. Ah, yeah. So you want to go back and hear, you know, what that conversation was about, because it definitely sent us into a thought-provoking weekend. (laughs) All right. Well, that's how we spent last week. So I advise you to go back and listen. 
baby, 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 any day you choose, you're going to have something to listen to. All right? All right. Well, today we're back to shaking the Monday morning blues, and we got a guest on with us today. And ladies, you're definitely going to find this of interest to you as it is necessary that we get this information. So go ahead and get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead and tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Steph is on. And whatever you do, don't go nowhere because we'll be right back. According to a recent survey by the American Optometric Association, more than half of Americans and four out of five children use electronic devices for three or more hours per day. And those statistics will only increase. March is Save Your Vision Month, and the American Optometric Association wants you to see well into the future. It's more important than ever to make sure your family members receive yearly comprehensive eye exams from your local eye doctor. Protect your eye health in the 21st century. Visit AOA.org to learn more. Okay, 
So the CDC says that the frozen fruit, you know, is likely to be the source of the outbreak, and they're advising all of those who have purchased the product to not consume these strawberries. So if you've you know, in the Washington state, or if you've just consumed these strawberries, period, even though, you know, everybody has turned up in Washington state, don't don't eat them. Take them back. You can get your money back. You know, hepatitis A is a contagious liver infection that's caused by the virus of the same name. And the symptoms range in severity. And it can be prevented this disease can be prevented with a vaccine if administered within two weeks of exposure so scenic food company wrote that although hep a has not been detected in you know in the product itself they're looking at the fact that all these people have this thing in common so that is really what's bringing them to an alert um, to this particular um, uh, situation and this concern. And they're saying the Oregon-based scenic food company recalled the frozen organic strawberries and they're sold to Simply Nature from Arizona, Arkansas, California, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, Ohio, and Wisconsin. And again, the fruit has been recalled from Vital Choice, Kirkland Signature, which is a Costco brand. And it's made with PCC community markets from Washington, Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Utah, Illinois, and Maryland. Okay, and they're saying that the company's organic tropical fruit blend, pineapple, bananas, strawberries, and mango have also been recalled from Trader Joe's stores nationwide. All right, so if you have, you know, have eaten these things or have purchased this, Please, 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 please throw it, you know, in in your bag. Take it back to the store. You can't get your money back. They cannot and will not give you a problem. It's better to be safe than sorry. Okay? You know, a, a little bit of side note here. You know, we just don't know what we're eating. You know, here we are, you know, sometimes... You know, especially from Trader Joe's, you know, all of their stuff is, is organic. Um, and, you know, you're thinking that it's safe. You're thinking it's safe to eat things. You know, you're eating the organic items opposed to, you know, your regular everyday items. And here you go. Here you go. And like they said, they don't know. They don't know. If, you know, this is the actual source, but again, you know, when you get certain diseases or when you go in the hospital with certain illnesses, they actually do the research. You know, they ask you questions, and that's why I always caution you, know know what, you know, know your body, 
you know, know the answers to your questions, you know, to the questions that they're going to ask you because the only person that can really help you is you at the end of the day. You know, if they start asking, what did you eat? I don't know. You know, how long have you been feeling like this? Well, I can't really remember. It, then they, they can't help you. And here's the thing. You're talking about going back from November 24th. That's like Thanksgiving time. So from Thanksgiving time all the way till now, we're almost in the month of April, they're looking at a pattern that's taking place. And when they're asking people, you know what, have you eaten? Then, you know, what are you going to do? Cancers and 
the chance of returning to cancer is very, 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 very rare. Not completely impossible, but very rare. Um, so the majority of the times they're benign. So they're basically just growths of the uterine tissue. Um, you see it more in women of color. Um, there are a few things that are associated or will increase the risk of having fibroids. And we see it a lot in people who have high carbohydrate intakes. So one of the things that I will tell my patients when I see them and they have fibroids and we're talking about things to decrease the risk of it coming back once we take it out is to decrease your carbohydrate intake. Um, okay. So we were talking about how they are formed. And you gave the, um, there's, okay, so let's go back a little bit. There are different types of fibroids, right? So what's, what's ah. uh, 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 one of the more popular, I know you mentioned one of the fibroids and you said that it's a growth um, in the uterine lining, but there are some other types of fibroids as well. And uh, is it that? They are less common than the one you mentioned, or what? Well, why? No. Because they're saying so that they're, fibroids, they're poor. What makes the difference in all of them? So fibroids are fibroids. Um, for the most part, let's just say there's one type of fibroid. The difference can be where they're located. You can have a pedunculated fibroid, meaning that it's on stalk. It's sort of like on a string of tissue, and it's kind of just hanging outside the uterus, inside the pelvis. Um, you can have an intramural fibroid, meaning that it's in the wall of the uterus, so it's not just hanging out. Um, it can be a fibroid that is pushing into the uterine cavity. Now, that fibroid, depending how big and how much it's pushing in, can cause a number of issues. Um, it can decrease somebody's fertility, um, meaning that it is decreasing the amount of normal lining rate, depending on the amount of fibroids and where they are, it can also cause heavier periods. So they're all still fibroids, it's just where they're located can certainly affect the symptoms that they cause. Okay, and that that's why I wanted to... Um, ask, like, what was the difference? Because, like you said, it definitely shifts what your symptoms are. So you mentioned the heavy menstrual cycles. What are some of the other symptoms that you might experience? Pelvic pain, um, pelvic pressure. Um, some people can have more pain with sex. Um as I said, heavier periods at times um, and cause infertility, depending on where they are. Those are some of the major symptoms. Um, at the same time, depending on how big and how many people have, it can make the abdomen look bigger. Some women can look like they're 40 weeks pregnant with, with just large fibroids. Wow. Wow. And, okay, so... We talked the last time about how often you should go 
um, and get like one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's important now to remember that kind of stuff because you know we're not seeing the the, the gynecologist very often, or, or either a year or every two years. So can we go back a little bit to when we should? Did you gave two distinct differences of when you go for one 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 is one year, one is two every two years. And how important is that visitation, considering that these fibroids could be existing? So you should see a gynecologist every year, period, um, whether you need a pap scan or not. So seeing a gynecologist and having a family's exam is not the same thing as getting a pap smear done. So every year, see a gynecologist, just like we see your primary care doctor for your annual physical exam. In fact, it's called an annual well woman exam, which you should be having every single year. Um, along with that, there'll be a pelvic exam, which may or may not also include a pap smear. Where the pap smear is done, depending on the results, and we're between every year, every six months, every three years, every five years, depending on the results. But again, that has nothing to do with the pelvic exam, which should be done every single year. That is where we're going to pick up issues that are developing from one year to the next. So someone is having fibroids, or fibroids are growing, they're certainly more likely to pick it up on a pelvic exam. And I feel that there's just some fullness within the uterine cavity, I'm sorry, within the pelvic cavity. Um, on a pelvic exam, or with my talk, and basically just saying she's just feeling uncomfortable, she's feeling just heaviness in the pelvis, and that might be what gets me to order an ultrasound so we can take a better look inside. Okay. The answer to that is every year, see your own pelvis. Okay, so I have a question. I have a question. So I went to the doctor. And then when I went, when I finished and I went to the counter, she said, okay, we'll see you in two years. Because Medicare only covers an exam every two years. So what do we do? So, am, I under, am I understanding this correctly? Do I not go at all for yeah. two years or what? So the thing that the rent you just threw in there was Medicare. Um, the insurance payer that you have certainly changes sort of the care that you're receiving, if you will. Because, for example, as far as tests that I will order, Medicare is a bit different from the regular commercial payers or just regular insurance period or, say, Medicare, if you will, where for those, they certainly will pay for you to come in every every year to have the annual exam. Medicare is a different answer. Yeah, it's just a little bit confusing trying to wrap your head around what Medicare will pay for, what it is not. Um, I can't say that I necessarily agree with the guidelines that Medicare has as far as how it wants a physician to treat the patient. So that's and the reason why I'm asking is rigid. because. We're talking about the fibroids possibly growing. I'm feeling this discomfort, blah, 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 blah. And there could be something that could be 
you know, growing or there's a problem that's, you know, occurring, but yet I'm kind of maybe brushing it off because, you know, well, my health care doesn't cover it for another two years. And now I got something possibly, some discomfort going on. Now am I pushing to go? And now I just got to make sure I just come out of pocket. Is it like that kind of concern that I need to have? Because a lot of times we're finding that these insurance you know, companies, they're, they're pushing our care and how we care about ourselves at the end of the day. So if we've got this thing that's mutating, you know, in us, if you know, for lack of a better word, and now, you know, I want you to, you know, explain to us what we need to do if we're feeling, like you said, the, the, the different symptoms, the discomfort or the heavy menstrual and blah, 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 blah. You know, should we now say, you know what, go ahead out of pocket and eat the fee because you need to pay attention to your body? So two things. Uh, well, one, it's not mutating. Let's say it's growing. Mutation suggests something else going on. So the fiber might be growing. not necessarily mutating. Um, okay. With, say, Medicare, if you will, and that's telling you to go see you two years for your annual exam, and that's fine, meaning that nothing is going on, you don't have any issues, you don't have any concerns, then you just come back in two years because that is what Medicare will pay for. But if you have an issue, you have a concern, something is bothering you within that time frame, that doesn't mean that you wait two years to go back in again. So you go in you talk, or you call your doctor, I have something going on, I need you to take a look at me then they will do that. There will likely be another diagnosis or another diagnosis code that your doctor will put into the visit for Medicare to pay for that. This is because that basically will be something completely different from just an annual physical exam. Okay. Okay. So, one, if you have a concern outside of that two-year period, still call your doctor, go in to be seen, more than likely, it would be covered. Um, and worst case scenario, if it is where there is something going on that does need to be addressed and the insurance company is not willing to pay for it, then that very well may be something where you decide that you pay out of pocket for. That's a conversation to have with gynecologists to figure out if that is the case. And yeah, insurance companies make their regulations what's best as far as how to save money, essentially, which may or may not be what is in the best interest of you guys the patient. Okay. And I wanted to bring that up because you know how we do, you know. Oh, you know, I it'll it'll stop, you know, I'll get over it. And we just go on business as usual, especially when there's a challenge of Who's going to pay for this? Most people don't even have lunch money. Now I gotta, you know, concern myself. Yeah, they'll brush it off in a minute, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad this came up because that was a concern of mine. You know, as I'm getting older, you know, that so we still need to go, but yet you're saying I don't need to, you know, go for another two years. And I have to tell you, before I started getting sick regularly, Doctor Gordon, I was one who was like, I was too busy moving to stop. Oh, that pain will stop. And I think we, you know, after getting sick, 
you know, I had to kind of reroute my thinking, and I'm, you know, and I still hear, you know, women say that, and I, I wanted to get it, you know, from you. Just make sure we take care of ourselves. Now, a, another question is, which you know, something that, you know, to make sure everyone understands, if you no longer have um, your menstrual cycle, if you're in an age where is it that you don't get fibroids because fibroids is connected with your cycle, how does that work? Is it something that you shouldn't worry about anymore? So generally fibroids are estrogen responsive which means that as your estrogen levels are higher in your premenopausal age, then they're more likely to grow, which is also why they grow in pregnancy. So in your postmenopausal years, it is less likely to be an issue because you don't have the same levels of estrogen circulating. So at that point, we expect these fibers to actually shrink. So it is less oh. likely to be an issue postmenopausal. That's not okay. Healthy, but it's okay, okay, okay. Now, let's go to how they actually detect fibroids. What different methods do they use? You know, what kind of testing should we actually expect if they want to, you know, further diagnose what's really going on with you? So, the way that we approach medicine generally is that either a patient has a complaint or just on a general exam we find something which will lead us to order certain tests. So the test will depend on either your complaints or something that we find when we do an exam. Now the test that we will likely do is an ultrasound of the pelvis. So that lets us know the size of the fibroids, the approximate number of the fibroids, and where the fibroids might be. Sometimes I'll order a sonohistogram where we're putting water inside the uterine cavity and doing an ultrasound. So it allows me to see if there's anything else there, like a polyp, or if there is a fiber that's pushing into the uterine cavity. I might also do an HSG or a hysterosalpingogram where we're putting dye in there taking an x-ray, um, which will also let me know if there is a fibroid pushing in. So generally, those are the tests that I would order for a fibroid. Um, depending on how big they are, I will likely be able to tell you, we have fibroids, and I can feel them on the exam. I would certainly still get the ultrasound so I have the numbers, but the clinical exam itself gives me a lot of information. Okay, so we have, you can get ultrasound, you can get an x-ray. Now, you know, for people who don't go to the doctor and they hear, oh, we put dye and things like that, it's something that is not is not painful or anything at all. So please reassure them <laughs> that this is not a painful process. Again, you know, women hate this stuff and... You know, this is not something that they need to worry about. It's all not painful pretty much, right? There can be some discomfort with that. Um, we, and there are things that we can do beforehand, um, like taking motion, uh, for example, before the procedure just to make it a little bit more comfortable. 
Um, but it does not last very long. And for the most part, it's cramping that you would feel um, during the procedure. But it is not a reason to not have it. It's not something where you're going to be detained for weeks and months afterwards. Or like that. Right, right, right. Is it something, if you have fibroids, is it something that you would notice there would be more pain when you're having sex? Yes. That is certainly one symptom. It can be one symptom. Okay, okay. Besides that, that's, just walking around that's the, saying that you're feeling just pressure. Right, right, okay. That's a good sign because, you know, when you're experiencing all these levels of discomfort, these are things that should be red flags to kind of indicate you need to go and find out what's going on with your body. Correct. Um, another symptom is you might be going to the restroom very often just to pee because you have so much pressure in your bladder from the fibroids. Um, you might be going in with your lipids again from the pressure from So. Okay. So now you found that they're fibroids. What are some of the ways you treat these fibroids? Now, really, the treatment depends on whether or not it's bothering Um The general approach that we have to fibroids is if it doesn't bother the woman, then we don't bother the fibroids. You may have fibroids that are not causing any issues, but which one you don't do anything about. Um, if you have fibroids and you are trying to get pregnant and you can have trouble getting pregnant, then that certainly gives you one reason why we say that it takes out the fibroids. Just to make sure that we have a clean little cavity for the pregnancy to the plan. Besides that, if it's bothering you, you're having symptoms, so heavy bleeding, pelvic pain, um, and during this, of course, um, those would be other reasons for us to go and take out those fibroids. And that involves surgery. Depending on where the fibroids are, would depend on the role of the terminal approach. So if they're within the urine cavity, uh, especially if we're talking about increasing fertility, then we would like to use a vaginal approach where going inside the uterus. Um, if they are large and outside, then we're talking about an abdominal myomectomy, which involves incision on the abdomen where we're taking out the fibroids from the uterus. It can also be done macroscopically or robotically, but again, it all depends on the size and the location of the fibroids and the abdominals. I didn't hear the last part you said. You said it depends on the size, and then the last part I didn't hear. I'm sorry. The size and location of the fibroids. Okay. Okay. And the recovery time is normally on an average? So I say for any surgery that you're having, recovery is six weeks, so you'll feel as if you did have surgery. And even after that, you're still healing. Um but figure that you're, and that's to say if you had an abdominal myomectomy, which basically think of it like a C-section scar, if you um, You're probably taking seven to ten days, at which point after that, depending on whether or not you're going to go back to work, 
Um, at that time, you probably can. And usually I just tell my patients, if you're not taking narcotics, you can work. Um, but it all depends on how you feel and how well you move. You can tolerate it. Everybody's different. Right. Okay, okay. But certainly no heavy lifting like that during the six weeks. Okay, okay. All right, ladies, do you hear that? No heavy lifting and all of that kind of good stuff. Okay, okay, okay. What are some of the myths about fibroids, Dr. Gordon, that you've heard? Or women have come in and they've mentioned, and you're like, okay, let me hurry up and fix this thought. <laughs> um, I think the most common or the most worrisome is that the tumor is cancer um, or that it can become cancer. And... As I said, the likelihood of there being cancer in a fibroid is very, 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 very low, less than 1%. Um, so the majority of them are benign. Again, why, if it doesn't bother the person, then we don't take them out. We don't do it to the For the most part, that really is the biggest misconception that I come across. Now, the other thing with fibroids that it's important to mention is that you can go in and do a myomectomy, but the fibroids can go back. Okay, so okay. Depending on the reason we're doing it, especially if it is to increase fertility, then that is something where once you take out the fibroids, we give you two to three months to heal, at which point, we usually tell the patient, now it's time for us to go ahead and get because we want to get that done before the fibroids return. Okay, okay. That's something else to keep in mind. So would it, okay, so you, you say, okay, now is the, is the time to go get pregnant because we're trying to catch it before they return. Is there a chance that even after pregnancy that these fibroids can possibly come back? Yes, Okay. Okay. Ooh. Okay. And again, let you know there are certain things, you know, I know that you know, we can't we have no control over. You mentioned something about keeping certain food families down, but you know, what are some of the other um things that make you kind of put you at risk for fibroids, let's say? Really, it's just those two things. It's, um, say, genetics and um, and carbohydrates. So if you can decrease the carbohydrate intake, it's probably the one thing you can control. That's about it. Okay, everything else, you're just genetically at risk to, you know, develop these fibroids. Yeah, just having increased risk of that out. Say that again, yeah. Dr. Gordon. Just having an increased risk of that. Yes. Okay. Okay. All righty. So listen, you know, send us a, a text or call us if you have questions regarding fibroids. We're going to move on to the next question. So, you know, if you have anything that you want to ask, make sure you give us a call, 516-387-1358. So, you know, Dr. Gordon can ask 
answer your excuse me answer your question while he's on, and so we can make sure we get those answers right away. That's why he's on. Okay. All right, Doctor Gordon. Thank you for that information regarding fibroids. Another question that came up was uh, tilt like a what do you call it? A crooked uterus. They were told, you know, a woman has been told she has a crooked uterus and now she has, like, all kinds of thoughts and concerns and blah, 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 blah. You know, a lot of times after you leave the doctor, you have, like, a nine million questions. So can you help us understand what they consider to be a, quote, unquote, crooked uterus? Yeah, I would not worry too much about a crooked uterus. Um. The uterus itself usually some curve. Um, we will a uterus is retroflex um, or antiflex, retroverted, antiverted, be like that. In that, everybody will be different. Some people's uteruses will tend to favor being towards the back of the pelvis. Um, others would be a little bit more anterior, meaning towards the front of the pelvis. Some would be true back. Everybody's different. Um, some might be off to the left or to the right a little bit more. And if you have a fibroid, that actually might push it to one side or the other. Again, um, okay. I would not worry too much about that. Okay. If there's a specific issue that is coming up. Um, I mean, sometimes it might be making it a little bit more difficult as far as getting a certain procedure done if you're trying to do an endometrial biopsy or something like that. But again, there's usually a reason why it's off to one side versus the other. Um, and it might be the cause that is more of the issue, not so much that it is that the uterus is tilted to one side or the other. Okay, okay. Should you be concerned or does it affect um, pregnancy or if you can get pregnant or how difficult it may be for you to become pregnant? Not so much. If all it is is really just the um, way that the uterus is sort of situated without any other outside cause, no, that doesn't really affect the ability to get pregnant. Okay, okay, okay. And do we um I don't I don't remember you hearing this, but what are some of the ways that you might know that this is a situation, whether it's, you know, something of high concern, a little concern, but just so that you know that, you know, does this certain things happen to your body, you know, how do you even find out or even ask or mention to the doctor that you're noticing certain things happening with your body? Even as far as a crooked uterus, if you will? Yes. Mm-hmm. So the crooked uterus, as you put it, is really something the doctor will say to a patient. And usually after trying to do something like an endometrial biopsy, um, trying to put a straw through the cervix to get inside the uterine cavity and having difficulty doing it because the uterus is to one side or the other or just really extremely 
the antibodies. Now, that I certainly also see more with people who've had C-sections, just the way that they feel, um, that somehow, sometimes the scar tissue kind of just pulls up the uterus in a way that makes it a little bit more difficult to get inside the uterus cavity if you're trying to do an endometrial biopsy. Um, again, it's the cause of that abnormal position, which is really a concern, not so much the abnormal position itself. Okay, okay. All right, so that seems to be pretty straightforward. <laughs> so it's not something no. that people have to have a procedure to correct. It shouldn't really cause any issue. It's not something that women really need to be concerned about. Is that where we're no, going with this? Um, pretty much, yes. Um, really the question is, what is it preventing or what issues are bringing up? Because it really should not cause pain, it should not cause infertility, it should not cause any other issue, except for the fact that if you're having, say, heavy bleeding and having to do an individual biopsy, then how your uterus is lying certainly affects how easily I can do that. So really it's more of an issue for me as your gynecologist than it is for you as a patient. Okay. Okay. All right, ladies. So there you have it. You know, Dr. Gordon has, you know, hopefully dealt with your concerns and, you know, don't be fearful and scared and panic. All right. All right, uh, good. Let me take a step back on fibroids as far as treatment goes. Um, we okay. touched a bit on as far as what would happen as far as someone wanting to get pregnant. Um, and basically the thought is to try to have a pristine, get it cavity as much as possible and do it a myomectomy. Um, and if you have any other symptoms like pelvic pain, pain during sex, um, heavy bleeding, things like that, those would be reasons to have a myomectomy done, especially if you still want to be able to get pregnant later on. So if someone in their 20s or 30s who still wants to be able to get pregnant, we would just go ahead and do a myomectomy. Someone okay. who is no longer interested in having children, then if you're having fibroids to the point where it's bothering you, then I thought we need to do it hysterectomy. Okay. Take out the fibroids along with the uterus itself. Again, fibroids can't go back. So if you are 46, 49, or you could even be 35 and you have your tubes tied, you're double childbearing, and you're having issues with fibroids, then the conversation would then be the possibility of doing a hysterectomy since the thought is you're not looking to have any more children. Right. Um, so there's also that conversation to be done in that consideration as well. Again, because fibroids can go back once you take them out. So if we're not looking to use the uterus at that point um, afterwards, it serves better just to take it out. Okay. Um, okay. Other options certainly would be uterine fibroid embolization. Um, 
that is not surgery per se, where we're actually opening up the abdomen. But probably it's something that an interventional radiologist would do where they are going through the um, the terminal artery, their their terminal vein, they're kind of just running a catheter up, getting to the the arteries around the uterus, and putting particles that kind of just block blood flow to the uterus, especially to the fibroids that help them shrink. Um, okay. So that is less invasive than surgery. Um, it can work. That's certainly another option. But certainly okay. not something we would consider for somebody who is to um, have children later on because right. there's certainly the possibility of um, blood flow to one of the ovaries being blocked as well. So, again, it pros and cons as far as what your best options are. Okay, okay, okay. All righty. Oh, well, thank you for clearing that up. All right. So, ladies, again, you know, the the lines are open. If you have any questions, you can always text us and find out, you know, what you want to know while Dr. Gordon is on. All right, Dr. Gordon, we had another question regarding polycystic ovarian syndrome. Now, what is that, please, for those of us who have no idea what that is? All right. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is a constellation of symptoms, which usually involves inovulation, meaning you're having mispeeriods. And it usually is in someone who is not having a regular period every month. So might go two, three, four, five, six months without a period. Um, they're not ovulating. They're not pushing out an egg from the ovary. Um, we might do an ultrasound, and there are lots of cysts on the ovary itself. That's the name polycystic ovaries. Um, they can have clinical symptoms of hyperandrogenism, meaning there could be a lot of hair growth um, on the chin, between the breasts, around the navel, things like that. So it's usually a constellation of symptoms, a group of symptoms coming together that would help us make that diagnosis, along with some blood tests as well. The okay. issue that brings up is a number of them. Polycystic ovary syndrome is associated with um, high cholesterol, increased risk of diabetes, and a number of metabolic issues that can happen later on. So once I make that diagnosis, one of the things that I will do afterwards is actually send the patient to go do a hemoglobin C to make sure they're not diabetic or they're not pre-diabetic at that point. I will take a look at their cholesterol levels and um, see that they don't have high cholesterol. Because even if you don't have those now, you can certainly have those later. Um, additional issues that can come up with those, infertility, someone who is, has polycystic syndrome can have difficulty getting pregnant. There are certain things we can do to help with that. But that certainly is one of the issues there. Um, 
with polycystic ovary syndrome, there is a a lot more estrogen circulating in the body. So the uterus, for example, and the breasts are being exposed to that high level of estrogen without the progesterone to help protect them. So that increases the risk of someone developing um, endometrial cancer later on. So depending on where that woman is in her life and her desires, we may decide to just give birth control pills just to control all of that um, or just progesterone to protect the endometrial lining and decrease that risk of cancer developing. And, of course, all of that changes if that person is interested in getting pregnant, and then there are other things that we need to do at that point. So polycystic ovary syndrome comes with a lot of other considerations once that diagnosis is actually made. Okay. Okay. And how do you get to that diagnosis? What kind of test do you take? So usually it'll be someone who comes in um, to the gynecologist saying, I don't have a lot of periods. I, I only have a period maybe once, twice, three times a year. Um, or I've been trying to get pregnant and I've been having difficulty doing that. And that's where I'll take a full history because a lot of the, um, a good portion of it comes from the history, especially the irregular cycles. Also, the physical exam. As I said, I'm looking for hair growth in certain places. Wow. And then the blood test and the, uh, and the ultrasound findings. So it's a variety of things that come together to make that diagnosis. Okay. And how do you handle this if you find that this is the issue? It depends on what it is a woman wants in her life. Oh, that's the thing with in medicine, gynecology. It all depends on the major concern that the patient has, where the patient is in her life. If she's interested in getting pregnant, that brings you down one set of treatments in order to try to help that happen. If she's not, then the concern is more endometrial protection, um, at which point we're going down a different road. So it really all depends on the patient. So basically the treatment is individualized. Okay. So what we do okay. for one person might be different for somebody else. Okay. What what I find interesting in, in the last, you know, in all three, you mentioned cholesterol, and in mm-hmm. this particular instance, you're mentioning diabetes. And I want you to please take a moment. I did have a question that came in, but this is really, really interesting to me. Because most times when we're eating and when we're binging and when we're not taking care of our bodies, you know, what we hear about diabetes is, you know, well, this is, this will happen to you or that potentially happens to you or this goes wrong or that goes wrong. The high cholesterol causes this, causes that. Never do we understand as women that these particular bad eating habits now affect us in these areas. 
And again, we go back to what we are taking into our bodies. You know, we're just you know, younger women. Yeah, you know, I have a daughter who just goes crazy sometimes for her M and M's and things like that, and the, the, the soda at times. And I try to explain to her, listen. Our family deals with diabetes. Don't forget, just because you're not overweight and just because you're not experiencing X, Y, and Z, you're bringing up these symptoms or you're bringing up these things this morning in this conversation. Please help to stress how our eating affects all of this stuff here. So lifestyle certainly is one thing that affects your health, period. Um, so just as I said, a high-carbohydrate diet certainly increases your um, chances of fibroids. Um, of course, that will also increase um, the likelihood of having diabetes or being pre-diabetic um, later in life. And that certainly is what we call a modifiable risk factor, meaning you have control over that. So what you eat or how much you're eating certainly can is something that you can change and decrease the risk of having diabetes um, or high cholesterol for for that matter. Of course, some of it is genetic, um, but at the same time, it, those are things that you have some degree of control over. Absolutely, and when we don't take care of our bodies again, you know, we weren't taught these things. We weren't taught, you know, again, you know, we're always concerned about our health as women, and that's why I wanted to get you on on a regular basis so we can discuss this stuff. But little did I even realize that, you know, I'm I'm older. You know, I'm not elderly, but I'm, I'm older. And, you know, you, over the years, again, you don't pay attention to these things and you're not taking care of your health and, you're eating and you're just enjoying yourself, and then here we go. You go to the to the GYN doctor, and he starts telling you about carbohydrates and all this stuff. And you're like, well, where'd that come from? You don't make the connection. But again, it's it's all in in how we take care of our bodies and you know what we consume, and then later on we find out that we now have these problems. So I'm um, actually, you know. So does this, I think some something else you mentioned when you first came on a few months ago about, you know, even it affecting our, our heart condition affects. There's a connection there. Um, with this polycystic stuff, does this only, is it only contained to, to our cholesterol levels and our diabetes, you know, our insulin level, levels and stuff like that? Is that the only area? That's affected. So, when you're talking about diabetes, high cholesterol, um, and also with polycystic ovary syndrome, sometimes people are overweight um, and have some degree of central obesity. These things put together are what we call metabolic syndrome, syndrome X, um, which also increases your risk for cardiovascular disease. So, yeah, there certainly is that connection to the wow. heart as well. Wow. For high wow. cholesterol, for instance, um, certainly will increase the chance of cardiovascular disease. It's high. 
cholesterol with plaque deposition in the arteries and things like that. All of that is related. Okay, okay. And what's the connection? I'm going to ask you this, or is there a connection? I'm going to ask you this because as you were talking, something else came to mind. We talk a lot about, you know, different issues, health issues and stuff like that on the broadcast. And women have a, you know, a high level of heart disease and and things like that. And, you know, is all of that connected? You know, does one feed the other? One, does it go the opposite way? And it may sound like a little silly question, but, you know, I'm just asking. So you see an increase in heart disease um, or the risk of heart disease, especially in postmenopausal women, that shift in hormone levels, that decrease in estrogen that happens um, at the postmenopausal stage ends up increasing the risk of heart disease almost equal to that of men, if you will. Okay. So your hormone levels, your hormone balance certainly has that connection with your heart health. Okay. Mm, wow. All righty. Listen up, ladies. Got to take care of ourselves. Have to take care of ourselves. I have a question that just came in. Okay, but before I, I do that, is is that all we need to know about the the polycystic ovary syndrome? Um, there is so much that that comes into polycystic ovary syndrome. As I said, it's as far as what we do about it, it's individualized. So really right. it's something to have a conversation with the with your doctor about to figure out what is the best treatment option for you. As I said, right. if you're not looking to get pregnant, I'm certainly more likely to consider putting in a Mirena IUD that has progesterone that will protect the uterine lining. Or we may consider birth control pills just to control the um, cycles and the amount of estrogen being um, circulated around the body and things like that. So it all depends on on what else is going on. Um, if we're trying to get somebody to ovulate, then I may decide to put them in metformin. If they're trying to get pregnant, then we may decide to do Clomid. So okay. really, it all depends on what is important to that woman at that time. Okay. Now, you mentioned metformin. Is that that same metformin that they give for diabetes? Yes, it is. Okay. So um, okay. insulin resistance is something that you see with a number of, with a number of, um, of conditions. Polycystic ovary syndrome being one of them, especially being um, related to metabolic syndrome and the increased risk of diabetes. Okay. So um, with metformin, which we um, call a, an insulin sensitizer, meaning that it's making your body more responsive to insulin. So to okay. decrease that insulin resistance, hopefully decrease some of that central obesity um, and help to reverse some of those issues that we have going on there. Okay. And, you know, as you mentioned all of this, I had a, a conversation 
with a girlfriend who was puzzled as to why she was given the metformin. So now, and she did have a fibroid issue also um, at one time. So, you know, kind of things are, you know, slightly connecting. So that kind of makes sense. That's why I wanted to make sure that it was the same metformin that I thought I heard, you know, was given to those of us who have uh, diabetes. I personally wasn't given. I take three other diabetic medicine <laughs> medications, but not the metformin. So just wanted to make sure that was the same ones. Wow. Okay. Same one. Okay. Now, um, metformin is also being used for weight loss by some doctors as well. Um, there's something called semaglutide, a GLP-1 agonist. People are putting on for um, being put on for weight loss. And really? And also help them decrease blood sugars as well. So diabetes and insulin resistance is certainly related to visceral fat and and body weight. Wow! 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 Well, thanks for letting us know that. We have one question that came in, and we have a few more minutes to have you with us. And the question is, is there any natural way or ways to work to balance hormones? Ah, um, natural way? Yeah, I can't say that there is necessarily a natural way to the balance more hormones, if you will, when you're talking about, say, taking a tea or something that comes from the ground. I I can't say that there is one um, besides okay. actual bioidentical hormones. And even that is somewhat controversial, if you will, in medical society based on certain studies that they have done and how they're interpreting it and where you are, who you're talking to. Um, so doctors who are trained for hormone replacement um, certainly have one one trend of thought with specifically bioidentical hormones, meaning specifically estrogen or estradiol, if you will, um, and progesterone versus which are the estrogen and the the progesterone that are made in your body, that you see in your body, versus the progestins um, and, say, the conjugated equine estrogen that is not made in your body but have been given to try to treat some of these issues or replace hormones, if you will, to some degree. So, as far as ways to address those, it depends on who you see. If you're seeing a doctor who's doing hormone replacement, basically that's one natural way of doing it. It is bioidentical hormones versus medications that you're thinking of that pretty much are not the same as the ones that are being made in your body, and those are probably the ones that you're thinking are probably more unnatural, if you will. Okay, okay. Wow. Well, it's funny that this uh, question should come up because I did get a previous question 
regarding hormonal balance and natural ways and, you know, medications and things like that. And, you know, I would really like to uh, have you back the next time and we discuss this particular topic because this is also a topic of interest. And I actually have some questions regarding that. So, you know, let can we make this the next uh, focus? I think that's getting some interest here. How's that? Yes, we can certainly do that. Okay, I would love that, and I, our listeners would love it. And, you know, uh, we've gotten to this 815 moment rapidly, but we want to thank you so much for um, joining us this morning and clearing up, you know, some of the, you know, myths and, you know, uh, questions about the fibroids and polycystic ovary syndrome and all that stuff, and, you know, we, if you can, you know, think of anything later that you didn't mention regarding the three topics, we four topics we talked about, but we're going to come back, and we're going to definitely put that hormonal uh, topic on on the top of our list, and if there's anything else that you remember, please, you know, put it down, and then when you come back, we'll definitely, you know, finish up with that. Definitely will. Thank you so much, Dr. Pierre Gordon, for joining us today, and we give God thanks for all of your information, all of your knowledge, and we pray you have a blessed day. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. I'll see you next well, uh, next month. All right. God spares. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Whew. That's a lot of information to have in your head. (laughs) You know, please, ladies, you know, don't forget, you know, this is, you know, we're trying to do this every month. If you have any questions, there was still another topic that we had. There were four things that we had uh, that I got in and that I'm going to bring that one over in addition to, well, there was two more. It was a hormonal replacement and and other questions regarding the hormonal balance and things like that, and we got that one today. And we had another um, topic that someone wanted us to discuss. So we have more to, you know, bring to Dr. Gordon for him to answer our questions and clear up some, you know, possible myths and things like that. So please, you know, you know the numbers. You know, send it to us, text us. You know, we have... An entire month God spares to, you know, have them back. And, listen, utilize this information. Utilize this, you know, time that God is giving us to get all this information. Uh, While I have my ladies on only, I will, oh, as soon as I said that, we got a mail coming in. Um, You know, we are... we just got finished with Dr. Gordon, so we're going to definitely get an opportunity to talk about a little relationship topic. So considering that two women on and only one man, we're going to talk about the secrets that women keep from men. Mm. So... 
one of the things that we have now where did this go? This is dumb. Okay. I'm sorry. They gave me this this list, but it's showing up in a different format. But we have about a half hour before we have, we get our switch tip. So one of the things that women have listed that they keep as a secret is the fact that women are, ner- are also nervous about commitment. So let's see if that's true. Let's talk to our girl, Tamika. Good morning, Tamika. Monday, Monday, morning. Good morning. It feels like it's been a century since I've got that little jingle in. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a minute. It's been a minute. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for joining us this morning. So, you know, we're talking about the secrets that women keep from men. And one of the things they've listed when they did this survey is the fact that women say that they're nervous about commitment too. Have you found that to be true, if not even with yourself, just with other women that you know in conversation? Um, It's kind of split in the middle. You you have some women that um, are just ready, 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 you know. And, um, and, you know, um, they're, they're thinking they're about their thinking biological, about biological clock and all of that, and having children. Have children. Then you have other have ones other who, ones. you know, are really looking you know, at life and saying, hmm. you start looking you start at looking other relationships other and, relationships and, marriages, and marriages, marriages, and you start to kind of backtrack. Kind of backtrack. Oh, I don't want to put myself put through that. So I do see that situation on both sides. All right, all right. Let's say good morning to Pastor Charlotte. Good morning, Pastor Charlotte. Good morning, good morning. How is everyone today? Well, thank you, well, thank you. How are you? I am well, thank you. Good, 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 and good. So what do you think about this this item here that these women have listed as a secret that they keep from men that, you know, they're kind of leery about commitment as well. Um, I'll say majority women are not because a lot of them are looking for a baby daddy and somebody to take, <laughs> and somebody to take care of them to pay their bills. So majority of women, I would say no, but there are some few that don't want to be committed because, you know, they have been broken and, you know, and relationships haven't been very good for them. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Let's say good morning to Pastor K.L. Good morning, Pastor K.L. Good morning, Pastor Steph. How are you today? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm cold, thank you. Well, what's the weather out in Alabama? 23 degrees. Wow, again, you are colder than we are because we were at 30 yes. when I looked. You were 31. Wow, 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 and you're at 23. You must be quite cold over there. Oh, my goodness. What do you think when women say they keep secrets 
from, you know, you. And one of the secrets is the fact that they're kind of leery about commitment as men are. I, I think it's for two different reasons for the men and women. I think for women, women, they've been hurt so much, you know, and now, you know, they have their wall up. And a lot of times you can't, um, you can't get to the surface of things or you can't really commit with your walls up because you keep on, you keep on thinking that this person was the last person and it started off good, but yet I know something's going to come, something's coming around that corner. So you're actually looking for the downside. So you won't commit to it. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. Wow. Well, I'm going to switch it. And, you know, we're talking about some secrets that men keep from women. And one of the secrets that the men have listed is the fact that they don't want to hear about your manly your manly guy friend. Now, let's start with the ladies on this one, Pastor K.L. I want to know why do you think, ladies, so that way you can dispel the myth or confirm the myth, Pastor K.L., in your opinion. Uh, 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 Pastor Charlotte, I want to ask you first, why do you think men don't want to hear about our manly guy friends? Because they don't want you to be able to have um, somebody that's going to be more friends with you than them. So a lot of times that, you know, you have a male friend, you're able to go to them, you're able to talk to them, you know, and then they feel like that person might be in the way. So that's a lot of times why men jealous don't want you to um, <laughs> to have a male friend like that. Okay, okay. Tamika, what do you think is, is the reason why men don't like to hear about our manly friends, male friends? Because it's a, you know, it it's a competition in some form, you know, whether it's an individual who helps you fix your car, you know, or gives you knowledge about whatever it is, you know, or if it's someone that you're intimate with, then, you know, they have to, somewhere in their mind, they do this list, this little checklist of, oh, well, you know, i got to compete with that, you know. And it may not necessarily, you know, for us, it's a, hey, it's just a friend of mine that I've been, you know, I've had around for a while that gave me tips on this and gave me tips on that. You know, you don't even know about a car, and now you give me advice about stuff that you don't know anything about. Okay, okay. Pastor Kale, you've heard what the ladies had to say. Would you agree that men don't want to hear about, you know, your manly male friends and why? Wrong answer, wrong answer, wrong answer. All right. <laughs> okay. So this, is the, this, this is the reason. When a man is not doing what he's supposed to do, Another man is going to expose you, and they don't want to be exposed. So that that we we have no problem with you having a male friend as long as we are being a man, as long as we are being the provider, as long as we are being the protector. Once we're cheating and lying, another man knows a man, just like another woman knows a woman. You know, we, we would think that, that the woman don't want us, but you as a woman, you would know that they want us. So... You become exposed. Now, he ain't doing that. There, there, there's no way in the world he's making all this money. 
and he ain't bringing nothing home, no, he's doing something else. That's why we don't want you to be affiliated to no other real man, because mm. you're going to be exposed. Wow. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Wow. Well, ladies, on on the list that the women have made, they say that one of the secrets that they keep is that they, you know, you want a man to be jealous a little bit, just a little. And Pastor Kale, I'm going to ask you, what do you think about that? And let the ladies agree or disagree. Do you think that women want men to be jealous a little or a lot? Well, I mean, whether it's a little or a lot, they, they do want you to be jealous. Unfortunately, that's how they um, that, that's how they measure how much you care about them, how much you love them. You know, would you, would you take a punch or a bullet? You know what I mean? That type of stuff. So yeah, I, I think it's true. Okay, okay. Well, ladies, you know, they're saying, you know, the ladies who, you know, help to compile this list, you know, they're saying, you know, they don't mind a man being jealous just a little. So Pastor Keller's saying, you know what, little or a lot, it really doesn't make a difference. For you, do you really think it makes a difference, Tamika? Yeah, a little mood swing every now and then, you know, it doesn't hurt anything. I don't want you, you know, we go into a restaurant and, you know, the server seems to can't give me a little bit too much of the eye and all of a sudden you start spazzing out and start throwing ditches, you know, but just a little expression every now and then. Oh, he took a little too long to take your order. Why he's still standing there, you know. I get that. And it's cute, you know. It's, it's harmless. It's a little joke and it doesn't bother anything. It, that's fine. You know, but just don't lose your mind, you know, every time something happens or, you know, a situation transpires. A little jealousy is good. It's good for the soul. Okay. Does a little or a lot make a difference, Tamika? Oh, yeah. It makes an extreme difference because then you start putting constraints on me based on what other people do. You know, and I have no control over that. You know, I'll give you a, a, a real... You know, recent situation, went into the store um, with, of course, Brother Al, and, you know, this gentleman just came out of nowhere. I was walking. We had separated for a moment, and I went to go join him. And before we could get together, the gentleman didn't realize that Al and I were together. He, He said something, you know, or he made an expression, and I thought that, you know, he and Al were talking, but he wasn't, you know, and it was just like, you know, um, Al just, you know, took it in stride and kept going. You know, I don't know this gentleman. He doesn't know him. You know, people are going to do what they want to do, you know. But, you know, in situations like that, that could be um, something really, really tragic for a female, and she had nothing to do with it. You know, I, I was in a totally different part of the store. He was in a to- totally different part of the store. And when we met up, you know, it was fine. But in other situations, that could be detrimental to her. Um, depending on how jealous he is. You know, he could strike the gentleman, he could strike her. It could cause a whole lot of havoc. All righty, all righty. Uh, Pastor Charlotte, you know, some ladies have said it's, you know, it's nice to have a man, you know, just a little jealous. What's your thoughts? Absolutely. 
the culture to keep everybody on their toes. So it's nice for them to be a little jealous, not, you know, crazy jealous, but a little jealous makes him, you know, think and remember what he has. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. They can put a tag on your toe, too. <laughs> well, let's hope not. Let's hope it don't go that far. <laughs> okay, now, Pastor KL, men have said one of the secrets that they keep is there's a reason why they remember certain dates, and there's a reason why they don't remember certain dates. Uh, what would you say? I don't remember no dates. So, I mean, ain't no reason. I'm just, you know, I just, I'm forgetful. You know, that's why, you know, I got married on New Year's Eve. So I wouldn't forget my my wedding anniversary. But I don't remember no dates. You know, I mean, you have to do so strategically so that you don't get killed later on. So there's no tag on your toe. You know, but I, I don't I don't know that that's true. Not, not from my side anyway. But I just don't remember no dates. Do you keep a calendar? No. Why? So, no, so is it okay I, that I, you remember nothing? That's fine? No, I'm not saying that that is okay. I'm just saying that's who I am. You know, I mean, there, there's certain things like I, I better remember your birthday, and, and I have to correlate it to something. You know what I mean? If, if your birthday is in January, oh, it's cold. So your, your birthday is around a cold month. You know, so certain things, I mean, I just got to remember something. You know, we have barbecues in July, so my mom's birthday in July. You know, I got I to gotta put something something together. Otherwise, I'm going to forget. My mother just called me the other day, fussing at me because I forgot the anniversary. Well, I ain't married. Mm. Why should you be mad at me? Did he remember? As long as he remembered, we should be good. Well, did you tell her that? I did. And what she, did she, she didn't say? She appreciate it, but you know, she, you know I, 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 we don't have censors on um, this new time with with Pastor Seth. So, <laughs> <laughs> I bet about it. Did she give you an Ernie answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. It was definitely Ernie uh, answer. <laughs> oh, all right now. So I guess that wasn't a very smart response, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, no, keep talking now. No, All right, no. Mama. When I got up All and came right, to myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now. Well, let me ask you this. Considering that your parents are getting older, considering that you mm-hmm. realize that your mother wants you and feels that you should remember their anniversary, Will you do mm-hmm. something going forward to remember the date? Well, well, to be honest with you, this is the first year that I didn't remember. My my my, my mother father's anniversary is technically leap year, so either you got to remember the day before when there's no leap year, or you remember all leap year. You know what I mean? So so yeah, I usually remember. I just have so much stuff going on uh, this year. That actually just slipped my mind. Oh, okay. Okay. 
Okay. And instead of you just saying, well, Mom, I forgot, you know, this is the first year, a lot of things in my mind, so I forgot, you said the other thing. Yeah, you know, sometimes people don't 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 appreciate your humor. <laughs> no, no, I, I tell you all the time. There was a, you know, my grandmother always, you know, she had certain sayings, and I remember Uncle Jimmy, and Uncle Jimmy would drop his jokes, and he'd be cracking up laughing, and Auntie Brenda would hold her hand in her head, in her face, her hand, yeah, her face in her hand. She was like, oh, Jimmy. <laughs> and my grandmother used to say, Jimmy, they don't understand your brand of humor. And I tell you all the time, your brand of humor, I just haven't caught on in 30 years. I, you know, and if it takes me 30 years to catch on to your brand of humor, I'm about to give up because I, I, I just can't. I just can't. So mom didn't appreciate humor either, huh? I pay the it pay the bills, baby. It pay the bills. <laughs> According to you. <laughs> and, 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 and since you nor my mother have created a GoFundMe fund for Pastor KL, I must tell these jokes. Okay? <laughs> oh goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Ladies, ladies, ladies. What do you think about this this date thing? You know, men forgetting dates or remembering dates. You know, Pastor Charlotte. Uh, no, you know, let me catch Tamika first because she may have to go. Um, you know, Tamika, what, what's your thought on you know the fact that the dates are remembered or the dates are forgotten? Hmm. The average man that I know can't remember. At all, at all, at all, at all. <laughs> you know, the, the average, you. I, I don't you. know if it's that they're not focusing, you know, like it's not even so much that they remember some dates and forget other dates. They don't remember anything, you know, and like I have to remind you, you know, oh, you know, such and such birthday is, is tomorrow, you know, and, and, you know, if you don't put a calendar, um, you'll forget. You know, and it could be something, you know, that even something simple as, you know, next week we're going to do such and such and such. And that is a date. You know, it's important to me, you know, but somewhere in the mind, you got it when I said it. But as we get closer to, oh, shoot, it's coming. Yeah, I told you that two days ago. I told you that four days ago. I told you yesterday. It's just it's something that they just don't keep the mind. And honestly, I don't think it's that they're being offensive. It's just not something that, you know. They, I, I can't, I can't verbalize. It's just not something that they put in there. I, I, something I, I can't, can't find a phrase for it. You're doing a great job, Tamika. You're doing a great job. You're doing a great you job. You know what? Do you go with that sense of humor? <laughs> 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 oh gosh, Pastor Charlotte. <laughs> What's your concept? What's your thought on this this whole thing? With you know, they remember some, they remember others. They don't remember anything at all. I disagree. That's when the tag should go on their toe. They remember the <laughs> baseball game. They remember to go to work. They remember what they want to remember and write if they have to what they want to. So I disagree. You can remember. You better remember my name. Okay, how about that? And not call it somebody else. Hmm. 
You're doing a bad job, wow. Pastor Charlotte. You're doing a bad job. No, I'm not. I'm I'm telling the truth because y'all know how y'all are. You, well, your former days. Here go one, Pastor Steph. Pastor Steph, here go one. In your former days, Pastor KL, when you was running and ripping, mm. you remembered everybody's name? And you remember when to show up, too, didn't you? Mm. Well, Think in, my, about that. in my defense, if, 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 if you ever heard me speak, Oh, here we go. In my former life, I had three young ladies named Lisa. Cynthia. So mm-hmm. there was no problem with Cynthia. So there was no problem with me uh, messing up names. I was just gonna say. Yeah, now, now I can't remember. Now I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I told you. I'll forget in a minute. I'll forget in a minute. <laughs> I remember the name, but you don't remember the name. What in the world? Uh-huh. It was in my former life. You know what? <laughs> now, I, I happen to agree with you, Pastor Charlotte. And and, and I, I do. But they remember what they want to remember. But here's the other thing that if I go with the concept of, oh, oh, oh I just heard they remember who you slept with. Okay, okay. Um, They remember what they want to remember. But. If I play the if I if I play the game of they just don't remember anything, my question goes back to what I did ask. Why not write it down? So th- now now here's where I go, because I wouldn't necessarily because you're going to get the argument, ladies and gentlemen, that if I say you don't remember because you don't care, the first thing I'm going to hear is that's not true. Here's where I'm snagging you. If you don't honestly remember. Get the calendar. If you don't get the calendar, it's really the indication that you don't care. Because if I really cared about remembering and I honestly understand that I cannot rely on my memory, that's fine. That's fine. But at that, at that, at that, at that junction, at that junction, then... Don't even worry about it. But we're not gonna remember. Put it, put it on we're the calendar. Not, and, and you know what? What you say makes sense. However, if I can't remember the date, I'm not gonna remember to look at the calendar. Go ahead, go ahead. You keep it up because you is. don't care. Because at the end of the day, no, you're telling me that, that, that you really wow. don't even care to look at a calendar. Now, I already understand that this is important. This is an important date to remember. But I'm not gonna remember to look at a calendar. Stop. Just okay, stop. You don't this, care. Why, why, why? No, no, no. Watch this. Watch this. Okay, so I I, I go to the doctor, and, you know, we got to be seen uh, every three months, or, you know, because I'm a diabetic. The, 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 the doctor themselves has to send me a text and say, hey, by the way, you know you got an appointment Monday. Now, I didn't remember I got an appointment Monday. Now, I should because it has to do with my health, but unless you send me a reminder, I'm not going to remember. Cause you I don't learned. care. You don't. You remember don't to feed that lemon. mouth, don't, I don't you? I don't care about lemon. I don't care about lemon. No, living. no. Because if you did, you'd remember. Bye. Wow. Bye. Wow. Bye. Okay. You'd remember if you don't no, get a calendar and write it down. If 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 they did not, it, you know, start with the reminder text or the reminder phone calls and things like that, you'd never go to the doctor. You don't care you know about your I've missed. You, you know how many times I've missed? Listen, it's three months out. You know how many times I've missed? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. 
I mean, that's fine. Go get the calendar, Pastor KL. Go get the calendar. Thank you so much. Let my due time crew. I can always rely on you to come through. Thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation. We pray you have a blessed day. Nighty night. I'm going to get a calendar to remind myself to have a blessed day. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Okay, thank you so much. All righty, it's that top of the hour. You know what time it is. It's time for our switch tip. Good morning, Shanties. Good morning. How are you today? Fine, thank you. That's good. What you got for us today? Today we got the switch with Shanties where we make the switch from the streets to our godly seat. And our switch tip 141 is be able to benefit from your deeds. And it takes me back to the phrase, you reap what you sow. And sowing your actions, sowing, I'm sorry, sowing are your actions, and reaping are the results of your actions. And this can be either positive or negative. And I encountered something this weekend which brought this to mind. And I don't know if, you know, our faithful listeners remember when Pastor Steph spoke about, you know, how God led her and set her up and positioned her to be able to have a spiritual investment in her mother. And growing up, her mother made sure she stayed in church and how that benefited my grandmother when it came time now for God to set my mother up to minister to my grandmother and how my mother made it her business to make sure I stayed in church and I'm the oldest out of three. And sometimes I'd be like, okay, why are you always on me about going to church to get the other one you ain't as strict and serious on? But when it came time for me to not minister to my mother, I was able to do so because when God led her to have me set up, not only in church, but, you know, different things that she would say to me and minister to me. Now, when it was time for me to minister to her, I was able to. And this weekend, my niece, my eight-year-old niece, who God has me given, you know, invested in spiritually, she didn't even realize how the tables then flipped, and she was ministering to me. We went to a sip and paint this weekend, really, really, really nice. And, you know, some thoughts was going through my mind and kind of going back and forth with myself in the midst of everyone having a good time. And she, you know, was painting on her little canvas, and she was painting in a picture of the lady, and on the side she wrote something. So while she was painting, as she was painting, she kept showing me, like, Auntie, look what I did, look what I did, look what I'm doing. And I was like, oh, you know, that's nice. And it was cute. She was making a lady cry and all that. She was getting real creative. Like, I was like, oh, you made teardrops. I'm like, excuse me. And when she came to show me her final, like, the final painting, I noticed these words on the side, and the words she drew in the, with the paint, the Lord is always with me. And I just looked at her. And I'm like, wow, this is what you put on the side of your painting. We were not at a Christian sipping paint. 
No no Bible verses was being thrown around. No Christian music was being played. There were other children there. There were other children, so it wasn't even like she was the only child. Um, there were other children there, and she was interacting with them. But this is what was on her heart to put on her drawing. And without her even realizing it, those few words checked me and checked my thoughts. And I was just like, wow, even at eight. God has made sure that I am seeing the benefits from the deeds that he has me doing. I can't take the credit. I can't say, you know, when my sister was pregnant, I just said, this one, I'm going to make sure she knows the word of God. It just, you know, I, I kidnapped her from when she was born, and she's just been with me ever since. And But every time God leads me to do something with her spiritually, I do so. It brought me to Galatians 6, verses 7b through 10, New Living Translation. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And as I was reading that, somebody else came to mind, and I'm like, Dad, because I didn't want to cut this person off, Jesus. But again, if I continue to do what is good and not grow weary at just the right time, I reap a harvest. And no, you know, we don't do these things so that we can get you know, I'm not doing, quote, unquote, doing good by you, God, and by others because I just know you're going to bless me because we don't always reap from where we sow. And, again, just like I, I gave those examples of, you know, that being a positive, it's also a negative, like these verses explain. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. And it makes me think about whether, especially the parents, when they – these nasty kids when they feed wickedness and evilness to their kids and then the kids end up killing them like yeah you thought you were just gonna set your kids up to hurt other people and, and then they not hurt you you're crazy you know that that comes to mind and you know when we just do it to each other you know when when we want to feed negativity into our spouse into whoever we're with into our friends and then those be the same people a lot of times who then turn on us and we look like hey you're not supposed to do that to me i remember Somebody was telling me how they, um, I don't think they they coerced their, their cousin into doing this, but their cousin was scamming. And they probably didn't coerce the cousin into doing it, but they didn't tell the cousin they shouldn't be doing it. He said, next thing I knew, I got got. He scammed me. And I was like, what? He said, he ended up scamming me. And I'm like, well, you're not supposed to do that to me. You're supposed to do that. But, uh-uh. but if you knew better and you were egging your cousin on instead of checking him and setting him straight, you probably wouldn't have been one of the people who got got. So we need to make sure we're making the switch from breeding nastiness from, wait, let's go back to the verse, from satisfying our own sinful nature so that we don't harvest decay and death from that sinful nature and making sure that we're able to benefit from our deeds, making sure that when God leads us to now make a spiritual investment into someone, when he blesses us with with his knowledge, when he blesses us with the understanding of his word, when he blesses us 
when he checks us, we now pass that on. We now make that investment to someone else because we just never know when God is now going to use your deeds to now be the thing that uplifts you mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you, Shantice. Thank you. Thank you for that switch tip. All right, all right, all right. Let's get that Benedict. Wait, no, wait, wait. Let me just say this. You know, we pray you have a blessed day. Amen. All right. Let's make sure we get that benediction to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Hmm. You know, I was looking at the topic, you know, secrets we keep from one another. And, you know, the the little stuff that I saw that I did read um, on the... What do you call it? The um the list. The list that I gave to our due time crew. Those things weren't serious. Those things were kinda, you know, mild. You know, um, you know, do you want them to be a little jealous or not? You know, and like they both said, they all said, I'm sorry, you know, this this stuff can fester and grow into something that becomes a real monster. You know, if Brother Al was not the type that would brush things off or you know, someone would just say, oh, you know, she's trying to make me, you trying to make me jealous. I ain't even going to fall into that. You know, this could, this kind of stuff could turn real ugly. And, you know, we don't want to get to the point where we're keeping secrets. And, and that's what I really wanted, you know, to get to. You know, we don't want to keep secrets from one another. You know, we keep secrets. It's a dangerous game. You know, I've heard, um, you know, couples, married couples, keeping secrets from one another, from those small things that they consider small to big things. You know, somebody thought that somebody was going to pay a bill, and when they looked, the house was in foreclosure. And, excuse me, and others who you know, was cheating and, you know, they didn't want the person, you know, the, the other one to know that they were visiting or meeting this person, you know, and it started off where, you know, it's supposed to be a, a birthday, supposedly a birthday thing. And when you looked up, <laughs> they were together, you know. So, you know, it's as light and as mild as, you know, these things seem to be in the beginning, you know, you don't pay the mortgage and you figure, you know, I have this girlfriend, you know, she, <laughs> she, she, this is when the, the, um, what is that thing? It was like you, you get the loans, the payday loans, the payday loans, you know, she was responsible for the bills and she would, had somehow you know, done something, and she figured the payday loan would be a quick fix. And she said, Stephanie, she said it was an absolute nightmare. She said she was chasing her tail. She said she couldn't get out from underneath this thing because it comes with a lot of interest and all of the penalties and fees, and if you don't pay on time, if they, and they go right into your paycheck and, excuse me, your bank account. I should say, excuse me, and she she said it was months 
of hiding from her husband. All of the withdrawals, and it affected the, the rent because she was supposed to be paying the rent, but she had to now take this to pay that and, you know, steal from Peter to pay Paul. And it was just a mess. All started off as something, you know, $50-ish, you know, $100-ish, you know. They could go in and take the $100, and then it was something else. And it just grew and just festered and just festered. And it was just a big monster at the end of the day. And that's the way all secrets start. All secrets start, you know, very small, very minor, you know, something that, you know, you don't intend on becoming a big issue. And when you look around, you know, before you know it, it's this huge, huge problem. And, you know, what do you, what do, you do at that point? You know, all these little things, quote-unquote, these little things that we're supposed to be paying attention to, it gets away from us. Because we're not supposed to be lying in the first place. We're not supposed to be, you know, keeping this little, quote-unquote, this little secret in the first place. And now when you look up, it's some big, horrendous issue. And now what is your relationship facing? It's a major issue. And, you know, we can't live like this. And, you know, I'll go back to integrity. What is our integrity level? If our integrity level was in place, it would not feel comfortable to keep the secret. You would not settle in on keeping the secret away from your partner. It just would not work that way. So we want to make sure that, you know, we do what we're supposed to do. Because when we don't do what we're supposed to do, then we end up, as they say, behind the eight ball. You know, remember, Shanti said it, you know, we, it, you, you do reap what you sow, but you don't always reap from where you've sown. So as, as great as our intentions may be, if we do anything wrong, it can sprout up from anywhere. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to sprout from where you were, were sowing. So let's be careful, you know, let's be careful that we don't, you know, do little things, you know, secretly to make people jealous and before you know it, oh, I didn't know he was going to handle it like this or I didn't know she was going to handle it like that or, you know, look, look, what happens to the sliced tires, somebody didn't keep the car and that stuff starts off, you know, hee hee, ha ha, <laughs> we ain't laughing after a while. We are not laughing. So come on, come on, come on, my brothers and my sisters. Let's make sure, you know, we do what God needs us to do at all times. Make sure your integrity level is where it needs to be because if it is, remember, if your relationship with God is right where it needs to be, doesn't mean perfection, but, you know, where it needs to be, then we don't slip into all of these things because we think about, you know, what does lying mean to God? What does, you know, keeping that little secret from our husband or our wife, what does that mean to God? And when we don't think about it on that level, now we run into another level. We run into another level. We run into another level. So, you know, Pastor Steph is here to remind you today. So let's get this thing done. And let's get this thing done right. Let's not walk into these things and end up being very unhappy, 
having a relationship that we're not expecting to have, now having problems in our relationships that we don't expect to have. Let's make sure we stay on the on the right side of the ball, okay? All right now. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. Is Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my due time crew and Dr. Pierre Gordon for all coming through big time for us. Remember, if you have any questions, make sure you, you know, get them to us so we can make sure we have them on the list so we can ask Dr. Pierre Gordon later. Oh, please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Because later is not promised to us. Please do not miss the opportunity to strengthen your life in the Lord right now, with the Lord right now, because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, where it's Let's Talk About It Tuesday Church Folk Day. Until then, God spares, I love you.